end of high school, uh, 17 years old, uh, I unexpectedly lost my, my parent, my dad. He unexpectedly passed away. And so all this suffering showed up, you know, and it was, it was big and it was intense. And I remember about a year later, just feeling kind of, you know, overwhelmed by it, constantly in it and, and not wanting to feel like that. It, you know, it didn't feel good. Um, and having a sense of, you know, I could, I could run from this, I could hide from this, or I could find a way to turn toward it and go through it. And something in me quivered and said, you got to do that. And I had no idea how to do that. So that kind of put me on a path to figure out how to do it. Welcome to episode 37 of Wisco Legacy. I'm your host, Corey Kundert. If you're new to the show, I talk to inspiring Wisconsinites about their journey through life. We have a great guest today, Chad McGee. Chad is the first person in major college sports to hold the position he has. He's a director of meditation training for the Wisconsin Badger Athletic Program. His journey to that position, the work he does for the Badger Athletic Program, the work he does outside of that is fascinating. Stay tuned to hear all about it. If you like this episode, check out our episodes with other Badger Sports Connections. Alex Erickson, Chris Bono, John Reeder, Jonathan Orr, and John Audius. If you like this podcast, subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you do that, it'll automatically send you a link to listen. Finally, follow Wisco Legacy on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Without further ado, let's dive in to episode 37 with Chad McGeehee. I'm Chad McGeehee. I'm the Director of Meditation Training at Wisconsin Athletics. This is my Wisco Legacy. Welcome to Wisco Legacy. I'm your host, Corey Kundert. I'm excited to talk to Chad McGeehee today. Chad is the Director of Meditation Training for the Wisconsin Badger Athletic Program. Chad, welcome to Wisco Legacy. Thanks, Corey. Really excited to, to be here with you. Awesome. So I want to hear about your athletic background a bit. I know you're you're deeply involved with the athletic program here in Wisconsin. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you did as an athlete back in the day? Sure. Yeah, back in the day is right. Uh <laughs> I mean, I grew up, I, I just loved sports, you know, like just whatever, like in the backyard, you know, at the park, you know, in the neighborhood and played all sorts of sports growing up. Uh, and then eventually settled in the sport that I most enjoyed was soccer. So and I played soccer uh, up and until college, uh, played division three soccer um, and really enjoyed it. Um, and then started to have kind of other interests in life and, you know, things unfold and, and, but that experience of, of playing sports definitely continued with me and enjoying sports into adulthood, you know, as a sports fan and going to games and just always being connected and, uh, definitely kind of set the stage for some of the work that I'm doing now. Yeah. What drew you to soccer specifically? Yeah. Wow. That's a really interesting question. I haven't thought about that for a while. I think, uh, I think there's a certain, kind of fluidity to the game of soccer that it's not, you know, a scripted sport, you know, like you have certain kind of elements that are at play, but it's up to the individual players and teams to kind of come up with and adjust how those unfold moment to moment. Uh, And I think that was an element of the game that I really, really enjoyed. And I just, you know, probably I ended up some of the guys on like the soccer team I really enjoyed and they were like Mm -hmm. friends. So sports was always connected to people and hanging out. 
Yeah, that certainly helps a lot. I was a three-sport athlete growing up. I, I wrestled and played football and baseball. And um, when I think of the, the work that you do now, I really think uh, any youth athlete uh, would benefit a lot. And as you progress and become a higher-level athlete, uh, that that meditation and mindfulness training would certainly help. I know, especially in wrestling, for me, um, it's a one-on-one sport. You're out there by yourself. Um and there's a lot of mental aspects to it with cutting weight and, and all that too. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely would have benefited greatly from, from mental health or mental performance training. Well, and hopefully that's one of the things, you know, we're doing this work, you know, at Wisconsin that, that, you know, we'll get into as our conversation unfolds, but, you know, part of the vision that I have is that this way of training does become a normal part of how sport happens, that it's not just kind of what it is now, which is, kind of rare or, you know, only happens in certain environments. But, you know, in the same way that 50 or 60 years ago, you know, traditional strength and conditioning wasn't common for athletes. You know, they thought it would get them, you know, bulky, heavy, wear their bodies out. And now, of course, that's every level of the sport has, you know, strength and conditioning embedded. And, you know, I think this sort of work is really just strength and conditioning for the mind. And it's, you know, starting small now, uh, but we're going to look back in 15, 20 years, and it will be just as embedded as you know, traditional physical strength and conditioning is today. Yeah, I definitely believe that. So how'd you get to Wisconsin? Well, on a personal level, I met a girl and I fell in love uh, and moved to Wisconsin. Uh, she was originally from, from Green Bay. And, you know, we were like, we know, where do we want to live? And, and Madison seemed like a great spot. So we came to Madison. Um, and then one thing led to another. On the, But I think your question was really asking about Wisconsin athletics. Uh, so, um, so with Wisconsin athletics, I, um, my first career was as a public school teacher, um, worked in a variety of school districts, including in, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, and those were the first people that I actually taught mindfulness and meditation to were the kids in my classroom and colleagues after school, you know, they're stressed out and I could see all the ways they could benefit. And, uh, then I had an opportunity to join a group on campus at the at UW Madison called the center for healthy minds. It's a neuroscience research group. Uh, and so for me, that was just an unbelievable opportunity. I was basically, you know, a, a, a staff salaried meditation teacher. And there's not a whole lot of those positions around. And, and I also got to work with world-leading scientists to understand empirically what are the impacts of training the mind in these ways. Uh, and it was during that course of time that I started to do a little bit with, with athletes um, that really took shape in a big way. About six or seven years ago, a guy who had played football at Wisconsin uh, and then played in the NFL, Chris Borland is his name. After retiring from the NFL, he wanted to do something to benefit guys who had played the game. Uh, long story short, we met, we came up with this idea, uh, and we did an eight-week mindfulness-based based training for a group of retired NFL guys. Uh, we didn't know what would happen. Would they say, like, this is a bunch of hippy-dippy, woo-woo, you know, I played in the league, what are you talking about, man? Um, but that's not what they experienced. What they experienced was that it was beneficial, that it was rigorous and that it supported them now at this stage in their life. And they also kind of reflected kind of like what we were just talking about a moment ago, had they had access to this when they were younger, how much it would have helped. So some of those guys were on staff at Wisconsin, um, in the athletic department, including the then head strength coach for football. Um, and they started to say, Hey, you want to come in and, and start to share another person that was a part of that training was Chris McIntosh, who's now the AD for Wisconsin. And so they were curious, how could, how could it benefit folks? So we just started to pilot. And over a number of years, there was a lot of benefit happening. 
and ultimately resulted in this position that I have, this first of its kind position of director of meditation training. Yeah, first of its kind in in major college sports. How does that feel to, to be in that position? Uh, thrilling, uh, you know, at times overwhelming. Uh, it feels like I have a lot of opportunities to be really creative. Uh, it feels uh, like there's a lot of opportunity for uh, for learning personally and collaboratively. Uh, and it feels like we're just getting started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're kind of laying that that framework for what what it can be like, uh, which is really exciting. So, where did that passion for for mindfulness and meditation come from? Yeah, so for me, it's it's very very personal. It started uh, when I was uh, end of high school, uh, seventeen years old. Uh, I unexpectedly lost my my parent, my dad. He unexpectedly passed away, and so all this suffering showed up. You know, and it was, it was big and it was intense. And I remember about a year later, just feeling kind of, you know, overwhelmed by it, constantly in it and, and not wanting to feel like that. It, you know, it didn't feel good. Um, and having a sense of, you know, I could, I could run from this, I could hide from this, or I could find a way to turn toward it and go through it. And something in me quivered and said, you got to do that. And I had no idea how to do that. So that kind of put me on a path to figure out how to do it. And so I went off to college and I wasn't, you know, reading books to get good grades. I was reading books to answer this question of like, what, what are the causes of suffering and how does one, you know, find the path that can relieve suffering? Um, and it was ultimately when I kind of encountered mindfulness and meditation that I felt like I had both found a path that had kind of the, the day-to-day practices that I could do to work with that, but also like the framework and vision to be able to handle that. And then long after that suffering changed, these practices continued to be a huge support for me in my life. Um, And I never thought I'd teach anybody anything about this stuff. I thought it'd just be for me, you know, doing my thing, helping me navigate, um, you know, the conditions of my life. And, uh, and then, as I mentioned, eventually, you know, I was, I felt like, you know, these kids that I was with, these teachers that I was with in the school I was at, I felt like I had to try to start to share it with others. Mm-hmm. And that that's an important piece is you were uh, a K to 12 educator, right? When you started doing that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That the, the mental health aspect of, of being in a school, especially nowadays, you know, with uh, navigating uh, COVID over the last few years, but the, the mental health crisis per se is, has been uh, pretty high. So um, kudos to you for, uh, taking that on and uh it's it's definitely led you to on a incredible path i just feel very fortunate that i've had the opportunities and you know hopefully taking advantage of the ones that came my way and you know plan to continue to do so yeah so in in your position it sounds like you you work with student athletes but you also have an opportunity to work with coaches and staff is that correct yep absolutely yeah so what what does a day in the life look like for you yeah, it looks, you know, it, it's really varied as, you know, you might imagine. I mean, I think at the at the highest level, the way I think about the work is like three big buckets. There's training, research, and frameworks. So training is, you know, boots on the ground. It's, you know, maybe it's a one-on-one with a student athlete or, you know, met with one-on-one with a wrestler today. Um, or maybe it's a team session. I was with the full football team yesterday so it's the the actual curriculum the meditating the kind of like being together sort of part um and then the second area that framework is 
is really kind of like, how does this fit in a college athletic department? How does this fit in high performing spaces? You know, first of its kind is exciting, but there's a whole lot we don't know because it hasn't been you know, done in this way before. Uh, so I get to spend a lot of time with colleagues like clinical sports psychology, sports medicine, strength and conditioning, and the sport coaches to figure out how this fits. And then the third part is the research. Um, so I mentioned I was based at this group center for healthy minds for, for six years. And when I came into this position, I knew that having research both inform, you know, the choices that were being made in terms of terms of training, uh, but also developing programs of research so we can understand scientifically what it is that's happening with this. So, um, so we have various strands of research that are ongoing to understand what's happening. So it's, it's always some version of, you know, training, research and frameworks. And then, you know, day to day, it kind of fluctuates. Mm-hmm. What's exciting about the work that you do is you're, you're really helping the person, the, their overall well-being. So when I think, you know, I, I've talked before we started recording about my, my weight loss. Um, I think about how that affected my mental health. It affected every part of my life. And I, I honestly really started with like a growth mindset. And I think that's probably uh, part of what some of the, the messaging you have is, is around that. But um, I just think about how the work you do can help people not just in their sport in that time frame, but well beyond that. Yeah, I mean, I'm inspired by that, Corey, because I, I couldn't agree more. The way, I, the way I think about it and the way I kind of frame it is, you know, meditation is it's just training the mind. That's all the meditation is. Um, but we're training the mind for performance and well-being. And as you're so wisely pointing to, these things are deeply intertwined. And one of the things that I think is amazing about meditation you know, in training the mind is our mind is always with us. It's with us when we're, you know, in, in the case of these athletes, it's with them when they're, you know, training in summer conditioning, it's with them in the heat of competition. It's with them in recovery. It's with them when they're in class, when they're with their friends, like it's always with them. And it's going to be, you know, our minds are with them for the rest of their lives. So when you train for qualities like focus, stability, you know, embodied purpose, managing, challenging emotions, like those are all skills that yes, can support high performance, but they also support, you know, living well throughout, you know, whatever conditions somebody finds themselves in. Yeah. It, it sounds like you, you do a bit of uh, some individual coaching type work and then you do some team, like full team or partial team, team work. I know there's a mix of individual sports and team sports within uh, the Badger Athletic Program. Can you talk about uh, working with those individual individuals versus teams and, and how that, that works for you? Yeah. Um, and so to me, that's one of the things that the, I was also curious the answer to that question. Uh, so that's what kind of first, um, you know, brought me into some of these sport environments and, and really part of what made me want to kind of join full time and is, is continuing to answer that question. Cause I feel like we, we know some things now about how to do that well, but there's so much more that we're still learning. Um, but a couple of things kind of off the top, like one, I think it's a really bad idea to make people meditate. Uh, I think it's a really good idea to expose people to what meditation is and how it can be beneficial for them. So a team level is really good for that, right? Like the strength coach says, all right, you know, Chad, you know, you've got the last 15 minutes of lift, you know, these next couple of weeks on Mondays, you know, so that you can kind of bring your training in. And, and so that way everyone on the team starts to get a sense of what it is, experience some of the benefits. Then they start to integrate it in their own ways 
Um, and for those that want to take a bit of a deeper dive, they can, right? They can reach out and, and we can do that. So um, another thing that comes up when you ask that question about like kind of individual team sort of settings is the sort of mental demands that are required in an individual sport and are different than what are required for a team sport or even the demands that are required for, you know, an individual sport like wrestling are different than the demands of an individual sport like golf. Uh, so being able to kind of understand what are those conditions in one's mind that allow them to perform well at those different stages and then not leaving those conditions to chance training for those kind of at different ways, um, continues to be, you know, an exciting ongoing learning opportunity. Yeah. A a good challenge. I'm sure. Absolutely. The, The culture of success that the Wisconsin, Wisconsin batters have, we're coming off, a. Uh, NCAA title for women's volleyball, football and basketball are, are always successful. We've got a, a lot of other sports that are very successful. Can you talk about how what you're doing can continue that culture of success and even mm. even um, expand beyond that? Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I do think, you know, the, the fact that this is a first of its kind of position, it, it, it couldn't have just happened anywhere there were certain conditions that had to be there for it to happen. And some of it had to do with some of these qualities that I think you're pointing to in like the culture of success at a place like Wisconsin athletics. And I think some of those things are at a place like Wisconsin, you know, it's, it's not, except for some of the programs, volleyball is kind of turning into like a blue blood sort of program. But, you know, most of the programs are very much like developmental programs, you know, like the kids are very, you know, talented kids, uh, but they're not, you know, the top recruits typically, right? Like they're very good. And then they develop at Wisconsin. And I think that development attitude, you know, that growth mindset orientation very much is in line with the sort of training that I'm interested in doing. You know, like if we think about that strength conditioning for the mind, you know, in the same way that you don't just go to the gym once a week and say like, sweet, you know, I'm fit. I'm ready to perform at the highest level. You don't, you know, train your mind, you know, every once in a while and say, sweet, you know, I can, I I got it now. Um, So that kind of like, you know, fractional advantages stacking up, you know, 1% better every day is kind of how Wisconsin athletics operates. And so that ethos fits really well with the sort of training that I'm interested in doing. And then the other thing that I think at Wisconsin athletics does really well is there's a fundamental belief that the student athletes in the athletic department are in fact that student athletes that yes, we can perform at really high levels athletically and we can perform at really high levels academically. And so I think that allows one to say that you're not just, you know, some robot who goes out there and plays sports, like you're a full human and all of that should be supported, which very much lines up with this sort of training as well. Absolutely. I was I was doing some brainstorming earlier today. And when I think of the success of an, an, a student athlete, I think of athletic uh, performance. So thinking strength and, and cardio type stuff, the um, academic performance, sport specific performance, because I know all sports are, are very different. And then the mental performance side of things that, that you're bringing in. So combining all those uh, in my my thought process is that's how, how we get a successful uh, student athlete. And I'm, I'm just, I'm glad that uh, Wisconsin is investing in that, that mental performance side. Um, when I talked to uh, Chris Bono 
uh, he was episode two of this podcast. So uh, back back in the fall, just for wrestling season, uh, he was talking. I asked him about some of the the benefits that people don't necessarily talk about, um, and this is one of the one of the benefits that uh, should have more more reach when it comes to to recruiting and uh, bringing student athletes in. Is this something that that coaches are are putting the message out about? For me, it's really important to understand, you know, first of its kind of position is going to take its time to get the word out, right? Um, and so patience is really important. Um, and and that is starting to happen. So Chris Bono is a, a really good example of how that starts to happen. So in the wrestling program, um, you know, he was interested when the position came on board and John Reeder, who you've also, you know, also had on, you know, assistant coach, interested. Um, so we did a little bit, kind of at a team level, and then you know some guys started to follow up, right? And then COVID happens and major disruption, and then then we kind of pick it back up. And they started to notice that some of the guys in their program that were doing this training with me, they their performance really started to ratchet up. Um, and then so coaches get more interested, right? As that starts to happen, they're seeing the benefits, and then they start to see, oh, this is a differentiator. Uh, if they want those top recruits to come. You know, you have to show them what it is that differentiates your program from others. And, you know, our programs have so many things that differentiate, you know, from world-class coaches. And, you know, we have, at Wisconsin, we have what's called Forward 360. It's kind of this holistic approach to supporting student-athletes. So that's, you know, everything from performance nutrition to strength and conditioning, clinical sports psychology, you know, and services like meditation training. And so I think there are coaches who are starting to bring that more into their recruiting. So I've met with a bunch of wrestling recruits football recruits and volleyball recruits and you know some of it's you know tailored to their specific needs you know like some you know kids are going to be more interested than others but i do think as the work moves forward that's going to become a more standard part of the recruiting process that's that's really exciting so is there uh, a roadmap to add more staff and and build out a, a bigger team for this yeah absolutely like i think that's you know part of you know, we were talking earlier about like the, the model of traditional strength and conditioning being a potential roadmap for where this work goes. You know, part of it is going to have to include adding staff. Um, and I think it's really important that we don't scale the work before it's ready to scale. Um, and so I think there's things we need to tend to. So some of that is, you know, like the research base. We need to make sure that we've got, you know, ongoing and solid research. So some of the you know, way this work grows is some of the resources go to supporting research efforts. Um, but then also staff, absolutely. Like we need to, you know, be able to have other staff who can work with teams, work with individuals, kind of continue to grow this work. Because uh, right now as a department of one, there's always going to be bandwidth issues to kind of meet the demand that is there. Absolutely. So you, you talked about scientific research. It sounds like you're publishing something uh, within the next... I don't know how many months, but I, I doing some research. I saw something about that. Can you elaborate a bit? Yeah, for sure. So we've got some um, uh, really cool research findings that we're going to be publishing here in the next couple of months. Um, this is in collaboration with uh, Dr. Drew Watson in the uh, sports medicine department. Um, and, and kind of what we're going to be looking at is there seems to be a relationship between mindfulness practice in uh, uh, risk of injury goes down, which is really good. We see mindfulness uh, training also supports sleep, also supports performance, 
supports recovery. So lots of like really cool initial findings that I think are the sort of things that we're going to look back upon uh, and say what sport or what coach in their right mind, sport coach, strength coach, is not going to want athletes who are more focused, more able to recover, less likely to get injured, more concentrated. Like those are all qualities that are very highly prized in sport and other environments, right? Um, and so I think as those findings come out, it'll continue to you know generate more interest in the work too. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really cool. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about as far as the the athletic? work that you're doing right now. Otherwise, um, we talk about some of the other work that you've, you've got experience with. I mean, I could talk about all of it all day. So I'll, I'll let you take the conversation where it makes most sense for you. <laughs> Sounds good. So on top of the work that you do uh, with the Wisconsin Badger Athletic Program, you also uh, have inner edge meditation. And through there, you've, you've worked with FBI, law enforcement, teachers. Uh, can you talk about what you do with that, with InterEdge? Sure. Um, so created InterEdge to be able to continue to work with a wide range of populations. Um, and that work has taken shape in a bunch of different ways. Like you say, like sometimes it's, you know, keynotes for, you know, corporations who are interested and in how can they bring this sort of training into their environments, you know, to, ongoing trainings with, you know, individuals or other groups that are high performers. Um, and then the work with the FBI has, um, you know, taken off as well. So when I was at the Center for Healthy Minds, one of the groups that I spent a lot of time training with was was with law enforcement, um, local law enforcement in Dane County and um, state level law enforcement. We've published lots of cool research there, things like we see uh, reductions for these officers after eight weeks of training. We see reductions of perceived stress. Uh, we see reductions in anxiety and depression symptoms. We see uh, increased sleep. Uh, and we see actually reductions in a couple of categories of post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, and none of this is clinical training. This is, you know, just normal, you know, part of their job. They're doing this mindfulness training. So anyways, really cool findings there. And and through, you know, met some folks who were at the Bureau and they said, hey, would you be interested in doing a little work here? And so started to train um, with some of their SWAT teams, which, you know, the, the Venn diagram of, you know, FBI SWAT team members and high performing athletes has a whole lot of crossover. You know, they're deeply physical people. They're very, you know, engaged cognitive performers. And they're all interested in looking for those fractional advantages. Uh, so I get to spend quite a bit of time training with different FBI groups and bringing this sort of training into those environments. And then, of course, they inform each other. You know, we, as I mentioned, you know, we're still learning so much about how this work takes shape. So to be able to train with a variety of populations, I think, only makes the work more robust. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was just going to ask what kind of crossover there is between athletes and, and the FBI and, and law enforcement. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a there's a lot, but the first one that comes to mind was I remember talking to a senior team leader for a SWAT team, and he said for them, you know, they go into high intensity, lethal, no fail environments, and they're expected to bat a thousand. And so when he finishes, he doesn't want to hear his boss come up to him and say good job. He wants to hear thank you for being consistent. 
is being consistent is hard. And so I think about that for athletes. You know, obviously they're not going into lethal environments. Uh, there, there are profound differences. Um, and they're going into these high intensity environments uh, where, you know, batting as close to a thousand as you can metaphorically is really, really important. Uh, and the same thing that consistency is the sort of thing that yields those sort of results consistently, like you're pointing to earlier in the physical training as well as in the mental training. Uh, so I think that sort of crossover is, uh, you know, very much in line with those two disciplines. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. And I, I know you've, you've worked for some corporate corporations too, uh, with some of the work that you're doing. Is that correct? Yeah, we've done some corporate work, which has been really, really fun work. And, and there it's taken shape a couple different ways. Like some of it is, you know, executive coaching, uh, for, you know, these high performers, you know, who again are trying to maximize not only their potential, but their ability to lead from both of these sources for performance and well-being. Uh, and so we've done some work with executives, um, keynotes at different events to kind of bring this, this work forward, um, you know, in training. So I think that's an exciting way to, you know, kind of continue to grow the work. And, you know, some of it, you know, is in line with, you know, this Wisconsin idea that comes from the university that, you know, we have, you know, typically in research environments, the average time from, you know, something getting published, a training or an intervention getting published to it actually impacting people in the real world, it's like seven to 10 years. Um, that's a long time. And that's, that's too long of a time. And so I feel like a lot of what we're doing with InterEdge is speeding that process up, is kind of taking these insights of what we know scientifically and getting into people's hands who can affect change, who can you know, make this a priority in their environments, who can provide resources to employees, who can also be kind of the change they're looking for in their environments. There's a friend of mine who says in, in education, the teacher's nervous system is the intervention. So I think about like the leader's nervous system, that's the intervention, that's the training. So if we have leaders, whether they're teachers or you know, law enforcement or executives in a corporation or sport coaches, who if, if their nervous systems are balanced, focused, resilient, uh, well, then what are we going to see in their teams that they're leading? We're going to see balance, focus, and resilience. So I think it's a way to kind of bring this impact to influential folks who can really impact, you know, many, many more people. That's really exciting. And like you said earlier, the ability to kind of cross work across athletics, corporations, law enforcement, education gives you an opportunity to learn throughout this entire process and really help you build that framework at, uh, for the Wisconsin athletic program. So that's, that's really exciting. If, uh, if somebody wants to work with inner edge meditation, what, how do they get a hold of you? Sure. Inneredgemeditation.com. Uh, easiest way to do that and reach out that way. And, um, you can connect via social there too, or, you know, Chad McGee on any of the social platforms that folks like to. Sounds good. I, I want to swing back to the Badger Athletic Program quickly. Um, I was reading, doing some research, and I, I saw Dana Retke was talking about the work that uh, you and your uh, the mindfulness work that is being done. And she credited that in some some work for for helping get to the national championship. How does it how does it feel to be involved in that? And and kind of talk about some of the success stories around around that. 
Sure. Well, if I step back and really think about it, it feels surreal. Um, and uh, but kind of in a day to day sort of way, um, you know, volleyball has been a, a really fascinating team to work with. I think the head coach for Wisconsin volleyball, Kelly Sheffield, is in is a is a rare talent in many ways, um, including his willingness to kind of reach out to people outside the program to what he can do to support his athletes, including the sort of training that I provide. Um, but one of the things that happened with our volleyball program, who's now been at it for like three or four years, this has been bedded into their training, was this past season, obviously, they go on their national championship run. Um, and it's the national championship match, fifth set against their storied rival, Nebraska. And they thought they had won the national championship, right? Like scored the point on the ground, hugging, celebrating, and then the whistle comes, right? Nebraska coach challenges the call. Uh, it, was a, it was a BS call, right? Like it wasn't the right call, but we'll leave that aside, right? Challenges the call. So it's, you know, 90 seconds, two minutes that they kind of have to go back with their teams, right? And they have to prepare. They don't know what's going to happen next. So Dana and the other athletes talked about doing the very practices that we train for in meditation training during those two minutes, you know, feeling their feet on the floor, feeling their breath come in and out finding those ways to reset mentally and emotionally so that when the call came that they had to go back out onto the floor, they were able to execute and they won the second national championship point to become national champions for the first time in program history. So it's really exciting to see that those little ways that they can bring it into those highest of intensity moments. But the only reason they're able to do that is because they've done all the training beforehand to lead up to that. And that's a team that I've been able to get on the road with. And, you know, we do practices kind of night before the game or checking with individual athletes. So it's really just embedded into the program for these athletes like volleyball, like wrestling, like football. We've been at it for a couple of years. You know, for these freshmen, when they show up, you know, they meet the performance nutrition. They work out with the strength coaches. And then they're like, oh, this, you know, meditation guys here. I guess I guess we do meditation. I guess that's what happens at Wisconsin Athletics. And so for them, they don't know any different it's just part of how that team rolls that's that's awesome i to, to hear that uh almost gave me goosebumps uh just hearing about how the impact uh, of the meditation you know how that helped get to the national title i know if i was in that situation and i didn't have that type of training my emotions would be everywhere i think that's a really good point right is there's, I've got a, a colleague, her name's Amishi Ja. She's a neuroscientist at the University of Miami. And she uses the phrase presilience instead of, you know, kind of resilience with the idea of being like, we can train for these qualities in advance of challenges coming. Uh, because we know, especially in high intensity situations like sport, you know, law enforcement, uh, we know these high intensity situations are coming and they're coming for all of us, regardless of what our life is like big emotions are coming, big challenges are coming. And if we haven't trained to be able to work with them, well, then we shouldn't expect it to work out. You know, like hope is not a strategy for being able to challenge difficulty. So I think doing this in like this preemptive way, this strength and conditioning sort of way. So when those big moments come, no problem, we're prepared for it. Yeah. Makes, makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else you want to add about, about the work you do? Otherwise, we'll transition to some fun questions. No, yeah. As I said, I could just keep going for hours and hours. So, um. I, I could, too. I This has been a, a lot of fun. 
All right. So let's, let's transition to some rapid fire questions around the state of Wisconsin. Uh, First one, what is your favorite restaurant in Wisconsin? Ooh, I'm going to go with uh, Dexter's here on the north side of Madison. All right. I haven't been there. I'll have to check that out. Uh, What's your favorite event in Wisconsin? Oh, I mean, besides like Badger Games, which I feel like I'm contractually obliged to say. um, Honestly, the first thing that comes to mind is Eastside Little League. I'm a dad, you know, Mm -hmm. so just being able to like see our son play and like those are my favorite events in Wisconsin. Yeah, that's the best. My my oldest daughter is three, and I'm starting to mm-hmm. starting to play softball in the backyard. It's it's the best. So fun. Uh, yeah. Last rapid fire question for you. Um, where's your favorite place to hang out in Wisconsin? Mm. Uh, like two things come to mind. One is um, at the pool at my in laws' house up in Green Bay. Super relaxing. And the second is a little bit further north. Any opportunity to get up to Door County always feels fantastic. Mm-hmm. I went last summer for the first time, and it was it was a blast. So, plan planning another trip here soon. Mm-hmm. All right, two more questions to until we wrap up here. So, sure. um, how has Wisconsin helped shape you into who you are today? Yeah, I mean, so I don't want this interview to go like too far south, you know, we're getting towards the end, you know, like pull cards on the table. Like I'm a, I'm a fib, you know, like born and raised. I had um, John, I had John audience on here. Who's from Minnesota okay. too. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've navigated these waters. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I think, you know, kind of in, in pretty unexpected ways. I mean, one, like the woman that I fell in love with is from Wisconsin uh and marrying her changed my life uh and then the second is uh that i had the opportunity to work for six years at a place like the center for healthy minds and i have an opportunity to do this work as director of meditation training at wisconsin athletics had you told me that you know 12 13 14 years ago i would have said that's it's just not in the cards man that's not how the world works um yet these places that are these unbelievable institutions have become part of who I am and changed the trajectory of my life forever. Yeah. I want to ask another question about that. So when you, when you reflect back on the journey that's taking you to where you are, how, um, what, what lessons do you learn through that? Did you learn through that? The one that really kind of comes to, to mind right away is, is be patient. Like, kind of trust the process sort of thing, like trust your path. And then when the opportunities come, hit a home run. I like that. (laughs) I like that. Awesome. All right. One final question here for you, Chad. When all is said and done, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? I'd say I would want people to say that their lives were better off because we got to interact with each other. Whether that was they felt heard and seen in a conversation, that their input mattered in a meeting, that I took it seriously. You know, maybe the meditation stuff helped them, you know, whatever that is. But that uh, that my, my wake involves people, you know, being a little bit better off. That's, that's a great legacy goal to have. And um, 
through the work that you're doing, I know you're making an impact, uh, not only on the Badger Athletic Program, uh, but each one of those individual people you have a, a chance to touch, whether it's through uh, the work you're doing with Inner Edge, whether it's uh, those athletes who are learning things that they're going to utilize down the road. I mean, people can take what they learn through that and use that throughout their life. That can be passed down to their children. And it, it, it has a ripple effect. And so I'm just so excited that you're in this position and in making this impact with the, the Badger Athletic Program. Well, thank you for those kind words. And um, yeah, I mean, I love that vision, right? That like these people kind of do the work, they benefit, and then they continue to pass it on to others. And I'll say too, I think, I think what you're doing with the podcast, and I'm sure you're doing lots of other things beyond the podcast, you know, is an example of that too. Uh, it's inspiring to, you know, frankly, like find the things that you're passionate about and then just go do them. Like that's, there's a great, sorry, I'm just going on now. <laughs> this is a conversation. Um, there's a, an author who I love, his name's Joseph Campbell. And one of the things that he says is people aren't looking for the meaning of life. What people are looking for is the experience of being alive so that what they do on the physical plane resonates with their innermost being. I like that. And I think like there's, when you find people who are like following their passion, whatever that is, you know, cooking, arts, storytelling, you know, meditation, whatever, like that they, they experience that aliveness and, uh, and that rubs off on all of us. Uh, yeah. when they do that. So there's nothing selfish about it. I think it's deeply compassionate when people follow their passions. I would agree. That's awesome. Well, anything else you want to add before we, we wrap up here? The last thing I say, if anyone's interested in like mindfulness or meditation, just give it a shot, see what happens. You know, like, uh, you don't know, just kind of explore. Hopefully, you know, in our conversation today, Corey, we, we pointed folks in some, you know, good directions to get good resources, but Give it a shot, see what happens and, and see how it can not only benefit yourself, but, you know, benefit those around you. Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks again, Chad, for joining Wisco Legacy. Thank you. I learned so much from Chad's journey. The work he does in mindfulness and meditation is truly making an impact for the Badger Athletic programs. I can't wait to see him continue to build upon the framework he's establishing. Thank you, Chad, for joining Wisco Legacy and sharing your journey. Don't forget, if you like this episode, check out our episodes with other Badger Sports Connections, Alex Erickson, Chris Bono, John Reeder, Jonathan Orr, and John Audius. And follow us on social media. Thanks again for tuning in to Wisco Legacy.